Hello, everybody. Welcome to the fifth episode of We All Speak in Poems. Today, I have my co-host, Chantel. Hello. And we're going to be chatting with Michael Ash Smith, a fine arts photographer, the owner and curator of Unveiled, and uh, the creative eye behind Ember. I hope you all enjoy. So I guess we'll just get right into it. Let's do it. Yeah, so um, did you... So you're based in Colorado right now. Uh, did you grow up there? No, I grew up in Philly. Oh, in Philly, how was that? Uh, pros and cons. Oh yeah. You no, know, there are things that I miss about it, but for the most part, I'm I'm glad to be closer to the West Coast than I am the East Coast. For sure. Is that is that mostly because of like just the, uh, you know, the mountains and stuff? And Philly's more like city based and. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with that, the nature, you know, the surroundings, the, there's also like the accessibility to the West Coast is nice now where it's not a five and a half hour flight uh, from Philadelphia, super expensive. I can fly to California for $75. It's super nice. And, and I can just drive three hours and I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's really cool how that but just the growing community. I mean, it's very, it's very entrepreneurial around here. It's very progressive. Um, it's people are kind of, there's so much side hustle. Everybody's doing something creative and then it's not like coming from the East coast. It's very, um, rat race. It's very, uh, you work for the man, you, you find a five job, you, you know, you're an accountant or you're in something like that. Everybody works for a fortune 500 company. It feels like that. I'm just, obviously it's, that's not entirely true, but out here, I, it feels a little different. It feels more relaxed, like more kind of like, go do your thing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Even compared to Toronto, like, so, mm-hmm. uh, we met by me, I guess, hitting you up, asking for photo- like photos, uh, for my artist profile, I guess. Right. Right. Um, and then we actually flew down to Colorado uh, for the weekend, I guess. Yeah. And it felt so much different than Toronto. Like, I've been just bugging to go back. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's way different. It's way yeah. different than, than anything on the East Coast. I can, I can vouch for that. I mean, there are things I miss about the East. Like, there's not a lot of rain here, which people don't realize. And I didn't realize because we are Alpine Desert. So it doesn't rain much. If it rains, it's a storm. It ends in 30 minutes and that's it. Wow. Um, so we don't, and we don't get nearly as much snow down here as they do in the mountains. The mountains average three, 400 inches. We get 50 total. Oh wow! So there's a massive jump, but I think that's the allure of here is like, you could be snowboarding in April in, and it's 35 degrees and you drive 45 minutes and you're, it's 70 degrees and you're just chilling outside. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, that's and that's the other thing we noticed when we were down there is how dry it was. Yeah, you know, just the the, the air. I had never felt it before uh, before we went down there. Yeah, uh, but it, it was amazing. I want to go back so bad. We were planning on it. Yeah, but then we you know, pandemic hit. <laughs> you know, um, everything. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I want to first talk about unveiled. Um, I want to know how it even started. Like, what was your drive to start that? Hmm. The drive to start that was one when I moved here in 2017, like mid 2017, it was definitely a big transition period in my life. 
as far as family and and feeling about photography and and I was in I was in weddings photography and portrait photography from 2000 2008 well no 2009 really to basically right before covid mm-hmm. and when I moved out here it was something that I knew that I wanted to transition over I wanted to transition over to the more creative artistic side of photography and for the years that I was doing all of those weddings, I, I photographed a lot of creative people. A lot of my clients were artists, graphic designers, painters, anything involving the arts and creative community. So oh. just because the photography was a little bit, it was a little darker and a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So I, I attracted a lot of those people and I knew that I wanted to work more with them than I did just a standard portrait and see if I could kind of get into that world a little bit more rather than just relying on the more uh, traditional kind of side of the industry. And because I got to meet all those people, I also started finding all these cool artists and painters that I really looked up to or didn't know existed. And they weren't your normal, you know, typical big name person. They were just somebody doing cool shit. Yeah, And I've always been attracted to the underdog. I mean, a lot of people are, a lot of people love emerging artists. Like there's just something about like rooting for someone who isn't getting the attention. And in the years that I was in Philly and, and doing all the photography that I did, I found all these artists and stuff that I started to look up to via Instagram or whatever social connection as out there and really wanted to kind of showcase them. And one of my dreams growing up, it's the weirdest dream probably, but I always wanted to own a magazine. Like I always wanted to own a magazine. And I even, I even had a name for it when I was probably eight or nine and I called it berserk. (laughs) And I wanted to focus on artists and musicians and, but I was like nine, so that obviously didn't go well. <laughs> but it kind of like stuck with me, and I, the popularity of magazines has stuck around. Yeah, you know, magazines like Kinfolk and and Dwell and all these cool kind of artsy magazines skyrocketed, and I think people still love a print copy of things just as much as they love seeing anything on digitally. Yeah, but I've never really come across anything that really showcased. I've seen showcasing emerging artists, but I've never seen showcasing the more unique or odd emerging artists. And you just wanted a place to like showcase that. Yeah. So the original, I mean, there's a lot unveiled is kind of like this massive collection of all these ideas. It's like, if I could own an art gallery in the middle of the woods and hold retreats for artists there, and then have live shows and then like have residencies. Yeah. And then live there. That's like the dream. <laughs> right? Like it's like everything. So Unveiled is basically all of that in a publication. Wow. So was was Unveiled the first sort of real step towards, you know, a, a zine or a mag? Or did, did you uh, dabble in it before? 
Uh, no, I never dabbled in it. I never even touched it. Uh, it was that's the, that was the first first real step. Yeah. Wow. And where did you come up with the name? Like, because you said Berserk was the first name idea you had, but where did Unveiled come from, and why the spelling? Unveiled stems from a multitude of things. So I've always been um, in my personal work. You can see the the um, just kind of love for that whole veil kind of concept of people hiding behind things and putting them like a mask up and not really showing the true kind of nature of things. So unveiled in, in itself or it, the original name for it was unveil and that was taken. Um, oh. Crazy, but because it's spelled differently, but it was like some kind of music platform and they kind of registered it so I couldn't have it. Oh wow! But I went with unveiled um, just kind of like the verb action of it. Like I want to, you know, these people are being unveiled to the world. Mm -hmm. And then I spelled it with the A and the E in there because that has um, affiliations to my name, which is Michael, which is A-E-L. Oh. And it's also pronounced, weirdly enough, if you do like kind of a Wikipedia search for the A and the E combined letters, it, there's actually a pronunciation for it, which is Ash. Oh, wow. Which is was popularized by what is whatever the tesla guy so you know how his son or him is something something ash something yeah yeah so the you, you can pronounce the a and the e together as ash and then my you know my name is michael ash smith so there's all the and my daughter's name is ashley wow so i threw all these things in together and spelled it with that unique spelling Wow, that's, that's very cool. How yeah. like much depth there is there. <laughs> it is very meta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of coincidence there. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Um yeah, and speaking of, you know, staying on the topic, you have a really good eye for um, you know, your style. Even with Unveiled, as many artists as you have, every, they all seem to have a connected style. And like, how do you how do you even find that? And is there, are there artists that you wish you could promote and, and maybe you didn't because it didn't really fit that, you know, ghostly, darker, darker style? I tried not to, I tried to focus more on the, what they were doing rather than what it looked like. Um, and the, if you do go kind of like in the original issues, the original, the first few issues, there's definitely a more broad spectrum of, of people I featured. Oh, okay. uh, I really wanted to pay attention and respect what they were doing more so than what the final thing looked like. I think that over time, there was way more kind of uh, diversity in the look in the beginning. And then like, think of it like a wave that's settling out, right? Like you, you kind of go ups and downs in the beginning and then kind of starts to flatten out. And then, then they're kind of found this vibe and style to it where it was all kind of more connected. And I think I just, I just gravitate towards people that are doing cool stuff that are outside the norm. And if there was something that was really cool looking and way different as far as aesthetic looking from the unveiled style, I still featured it. Like I still wanted to showcase it. Maybe I put in like a newsletter or show it in a story or mm -hmm. somewhere else, but, or maybe it didn't get a main feature, but I really tried to find and respect 
this kind of diversity in as far as how things were done. I, I appreciated that more than I did the actual look. But I guess when you're cur- in anything in society now where, you know, it's a curated society, it's everything's freaking curated now. So yeah, automatically, because it's just me doing it, there's no one else behind it. It's, it's automatically going to have my my take on things. So I still like things outside of that genre, so to speak, but I do try to keep it relatively um, similar in vain because I think it's important to showcase stuff that's not being showcased by a lot of other people. Like that's more what I look at than anything else. I try, I do, I do showcase people that are massively popular, yeah. but it's very rare. I did some calculations on it like two years ago and it was like 70% of the features, like most of the people have only a few thousand followers if that. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Just because I like to do that. And now it's kind of different. I noticed some of the people I featured in the beginning skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some big names that I, I first started out with that are like... 500,000 a million followers now, which is crazy. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's emerging and unique. And and I'm just kind of, I look for that kind of specific style and and then hone in on that. Yeah, for sure. And I think a, a good example of, you know, you sort of uh, being before the wave of an artist is uh, Matthew Thorne, the photographer. Mm-hmm. He was the he was the cover of issue, what, three, maybe four, four, four. Yeah. And now we actually have his print on our on our wall now. I I love that photo of the burning yeah. car. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Remember. Yeah. And uh, he's blown up now yeah. himself. You know, he's doing film projects and Yep. all the photography and stuff and it's so cool to see but uh i would also assume that it's because of your own photography style yeah people sort of gravitate towards you that know your work absolutely right? yeah yeah i mean that's the whole the whole thing stems from that kind of style right like that's kind of where it started and then i just branched out from from what i i like and how i vision envision things and then I started to rein in, you know, all these people that were doing similar things because yes, like I could feature this person that's super popular and and very poppy over here, but they most likely in all situations already have tons of features. Yeah. If if they're doing really well and it's more of a mainstream kind of feel and vibe and it's not like a darker moodier, they're probably already being featured elsewhere. So like my objective more so than not was to, to really search for the ones not that have that. And that usually ends up being the darker stuff because it's just never going to be that popular. It's not, it's not going to appeal to the masses, which has, you know, there's some value in that, which I find I like, but at the same time you want it to be popular, but then you don't want it to be popular. So, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, most of the darker stuff will never see, Yeah, you know, of day as far as anything remotely close to what is out there now yeah yeah yeah. it'll never have that mainstream sort of effect that you know a lot of the contemporary people have speaking of media and whatnot though um i'm sure since the pandemic hit i think brady was saying that you kind of slowed your production of the physical magazines yep um how have you found that transition from like the full digital format compared to being able to have like the physical and the like those sales 
I attribute that thing more to Instagram's pain in the ass algorithm than <laughs> anything else. I mean, I, every we all have, especially creators and artists, we all have a love hate relationship with Instagram. I mean, on one side, like it's just like the music industry. You know, on one hand, we don't rely on the labels anymore to to what they force feed us. Mm-hmm. When we were little, you know, whatever the label said was coming out is what you got. There was no other hard. It's hard to find other music out there. And now it's like I could go find the most obscure freaking person on Bandcamp that has like followers yeah. and then order a record. So like that's super cool. And that's what Instagram did for painters and photographers. But, you know, the flip side of that is it's just saturated and there's tons of stuff and you rely on an algorithm and they want you to buy sponsored ads and all this shit in the beginning like a few years ago when i started unveiled it got really popular really fast and issue one sold i think like i saw i offered like 100 copies and it sold out issue two was like 250 sold out issue three was 350 i think i printed sold out Issue four, most, that was the Kickstarter that we, I printed 400 and then sold an additional 50 or something like that. And at that point in time, every time I was posting on Instagram, it was achieving very, very good success. You know, the engagement was high. Every time I make a post, engagement was really high. It would be seen by 60, 70, 80,000 people. I'd get followers in, which means that the thing's growing. And then right before issue five came out, that's the, that's the month. It was March or April of 2019. And I talked to so many artists about this period of time. That's when their algorithm shifted. They had before that, there was no such thing as sponsored ads. And then all of a sudden this kind of rollout of ads starts coming out and, and the engagement just plummeted. I'm talking like an 80% decrease. That was actually the time that we came to see you. And I remember we had a huge conversation about the algorithms and everything and, mm-hmm. and playing the algorithms and the frustration there. It's it's frustrating, you know, and, yeah. and it's just me doing it. And I'm not really making money from it. Like it's not, I'm making enough to put in the time to do, to do the next one. And then I also did like some, the artist grant and all these other things, you know, so there's, it's not like you, I was living wage off this it was more for fun than anything so i didn't have hundreds of dollars to just throw into advertising every month or every week or something for it which is what they wanted so the engagement plummeted and then it went from an average of like 60 to 100,000 reach to like 5 to 10,000 reach wow and because of that like then your follower count slows and then your then your engagement slows and then and then your sales slow. And I, I've heard this across the board from, from all sorts of different artists that that's exactly what happened and, and brands. And these people skyrocketed and got 150,000 followers in two years. And then in the past two years, they've gained 10,000 followers. Yeah, or lost followers. Or lost followers. Yeah. <laughs> Most, you know, and it sucks. It sucks for the creative, but at the same time, 
it's like there's a benefit to having it there because it, we can be seen by anybody across the world, whereas we didn't have that opportunity 15 years ago. Do you find then that now you sort of focus more on sort of mailing lists and growing stuff like that organically, or do you still put a lot of effort towards Instagram? And Yeah, so like right when I, right when I came to Denver and, and then I was transitioning from uh, the portraits and weddings kind of photography over to the more creative photography, I had this kind of gap in there where, where Unveiled started. And Unveiled was the, like kind of my uh, a way to keep my brain occupied and inspired while I was transitioning because transitioning turned out to be way more complicated and harder um, moving my referral base over here from Philly. And that was a bit of a nightmare. So Unveiled was my like creative release. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to do this while I'm, while I'm doing, you know, transitioning over to, to Denver, it'll give me something to do. It'll keep me inspired. It'll keep me connected to the art industry. Maybe I'll get some clients out of it, all that stuff. And, and so like once I felt in place and then that kind of algorithm shift changed, uh, that's when Ember started and. I, ha I felt like I had enough traction with local creatives and artists in, in the community to start building that. And then naturally speaking, Unveiled kind of just started taking like a little bit of a downside, downturn. And then I moved a little bit more purely into the creative side where I'm in now, which is my business. And then so that kind of stemmed from the Unveiled two-year kind of gap from like 2000 mid 2017 to like mid 2019. So now I still do it and it's more of fun, but there's no issue with, there's no print publication with it, but I still do it because I'm still determined to like that one day, maybe six months from now, maybe two years from now. I don't know. Maybe I can figure out something where I can get that going again or figure out a different concept that people are going to want. Yeah. That'd sure. be amazing. Yeah. And, and speaking about that, like, I like that you said, you know, now you're doing it more maybe for fun and just as passion, you know, um, and one of your campaigns, I don't know if you can even call it a campaign, but your uh, buy art from living artists, like, yeah, yeah, I guess, like, that's so cool. And how did, how did that sort of start? Is that just from the frustration of changing algorithms and stuff? Or I think a little bit that definitely more immersing myself in the art community here. Um, I didn't feel real connected to the Philly art community. And I think it was just because of time in my life. Like um, I was going through some personal stuff before we moved out here. And, and I, I kind of just didn't feel super connected to it there. Like I said, a lot of, a lot of what I grew up with and a lot of my friends at the, when I was out there were very traditional in a sense compared to what I'm more like now. So it was my family, super conservative and traditional. So I really wasn't immersed into that world. I dabbled in it with photography because of doing weddings, but it's still weddings and portraits are in this own world in itself. It's not painters. And so I never really felt super connected to that world. When I moved here and started meeting people here, I started to feel a little bit better. Like I just felt more at peace and at home. So that allowed me to connect on a different level with a lot of people. And then I got more immersed here. And then once I started getting immersed here and started talking to these artists and 
really starting to work with them and help them with their branding and, and photography, um, I started hearing their, their, their qualms, you know, mm -hmm. and, and what they're doing. And then it was all like came to like this point whenever I released that post on, on in, unveiled, which did very, very, was a very popular post. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like this combination of, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to curse, but I'm going to, but like yeah, yeah. fuck Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then also like screwed all these other places to selling cheap art. And like, I see, I've seen so over the past two years, I've seen so many artists that are like decently priced that you, if you gave $500 to would literally make their month. Yeah. And instead you're putting $500 into other stuff at Target or Walmart or wherever the hell you want to go. And that one like conscious little decision could, can change, almost change the life of an artist yeah. in a split second you know, that's maybe that's half their rent for the month, right? Like in one shot. So it all kind of started boiling and came to this one post where I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, why do we, why are we spending, why do we put, I think I read some crazy statistic where it was like 80 or maybe even higher, 90% of all sales in art galleries is, is from not a live artist. Wow. And I'm like, Wait, why are we doing this? Like, this is insanity. We are living in the most abundant age for artists and creatives that actually do work and can get paid for it. Mm -hmm. You're not surviving off an art gallery. You can sell your art on your own. And yet somehow most of the artwork sales come from not living artists. And so I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I could go find... 150 artists on unveiled that you could buy a print from that's like 1620 for a couple hundred dollars yeah. and like hang it in the center of your room. And it's like, that's cool as shit. And not only did you like make them feel good, but like, it's just completely unique. No one else is going to have it. Exactly. So like, there's this whole world that I feel like nobody really taps into. I don't know. Maybe it's like they can't figure it out or they're scared or I don't know. Maybe they don't have the time to invest into looking around, but that's kind of what unveiled was. It was like, Hey, look at all these cool people doing, making cool shit. Like reach out to them. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I'm assuming where that like slogan came from for unveiled. What, what is it again? It's by art from living artists. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, I didn't make that up. Like, I think I saw it somewhere, and oh, but it's okay. not very popular. I mean, it's definitely not. I don't think I made it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I thought, I thought of that, and then like I did a hashtag search for it, and then somebody. I'm sure there, everything in this world is somebody's yeah. thought of at some point, you know. So, but it definitely wasn't anything massively popular a few years ago. Like, it wasn't a big trend, and and it's still not. I think it's still not there yet but every time i make that post people are like oh shit it's kind of like wait yeah that's what we should be doing wait, yeah it's a reminder right and it works for all sorts like yourself you know musicians it works for painters creative graphic designers all these people are out there doing cool shit and somehow we've still put all this money into other things that don't need the money yeah yeah, yeah i think that's such like a responsible 
way to use your platform you know like kudos to you like that's so cool um and even you mentioned uh an artist grant you did the grant yourself where you yeah granted other artists <laughs> yeah it was it was the bipoc artist grant last june we raised like a couple thousand dollars and we gave two grants to two uh bipoc artists which was wow. very important yeah I, I wanted to do that again this year but i kind of just ran out of time but that kind that's the kind of stuff that i want to do with unveiled like ultimately the the publication and the, and the reason why it started was was just a digital platform for the way that I saw it going. Ultimately, as I said earlier, you know, I would love to have like a place, an artist retreat place, like hold artist retreats or bring in, like I've had this discussion multiple times in the past few months, like bring in, say like yourself, like an ambient musician, right? Bring them in, but also bring in like a poet and then a painter. And then you have like, and then invite like four or five guests. And then you're just surrounded by all these different platforms. It's not like a workshop where you're going to learn from this painter to learn how to paint. Mm -hmm. You're more of like going to a retreat to get the fuck away from everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Cleanse yourself. And be yeah. in that atmosphere with other creatives. Yeah. Right. Other creatives, not just one creative. Yeah. Where you're, you're honed in on that style. It's more of like, how can I, as a photographer, learn from you, an ambient musician, learn from this guy who's a painter, learn from this person who's a collage artist? Like, yeah, exactly. what can we all learn from each other and then hold that kind of a thing and then do like residencies, but not just painter residencies, like music residencies and and mixed media residencies and, you know, all these cool kind of stuff. and the journal and the unveiled itself was just the, the starting off point. That's, it was just a, a, an, a foundation to build on to get to that point, that level. Yeah, for sure. And I've always thought about doing that too. Like it would be amazing to sort of just, yeah, like you did raise a couple grand for an underrated artist that you think just, you know, needs a few extra funds, right. You know, to finish their album or right. finish a collection of paintings or whatever they need. I think that's so cool. And I think, I hope that you, you know, make it so much bigger and, and everything. Yeah. Like, I think it's just responsible yes. and cool and inspiring. I had the time to do it. And then the time went away for me to do it. And then I feel like I feel the time coming back again. I do feel that I, I it's why I've never given up on it. Like I still do it. I still talk about it. It's not as much, but it's still out there because I just feel like it's coming. And like, I feel like there's maybe it was just, a, I needed to do something else to learn, uh, you know, another thing. Maybe I needed to, to work on Ember for a couple of years to get more creatives under my belt, to learn from them, to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. And I don't know when it'll be, but I just have a feeling that it's going to come about someday. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and speaking of that, like I've noticed that you've been putting on uh, small galleries for, for artists as well. Is that yeah, trying to like little kind of gallery shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to get into this market here. And the market here is funny. It's like Colorado is very sunny. <laughs> Not something I've drawn to, which is hilarious <laughs> because I'm in pretty much the sunniest part of the country uh, yeah. besides like maybe Southern California or something. I don't know, but it doesn't rain much, like I said earlier, and it's just sunny every single day. And a lot of the art represents, like, it, it, it gets inspired from that. So Colorado art is, like, 
I mean, their state slogan is colorful Colorado. So, <laughs> you know, it's all very bright, it's very bright. It's a lot of color, a lot of brightness, a lot of sunsets and landscapes and big sky and blue and mountains and all that stuff, which is beautiful. But there's also like, if you put <laughs> a lot of people don't know that I'm from Boulder because of how dark the photography is. And like, I get messages. They're like, holy shit, you're in Boulder. Like, <laughs> they're like, I thought you were in like Germany or like <laughs> Berlin or, you know, somewhere Japan or somewhere crazy where it's a little bit more dark or France or something like that. And, and cause it's really dark for the area. So, but I've seen because of that, like, because everybody's kind of doing that same thing here or have been for so long. I've also seen an increase in the moodier stuff here. And, and maybe it's not like black and white, like me, maybe it's just an inter different interpretation of color. Maybe it's using monochromes or desaturated colors or, but I can feel it shifting. And because of that, I've been trying to get the word out more about the local artists involved in that shift mm -hmm. and trying to help with shows and put on little pop-up galleries and promote their work. And just because I feel like people don't know they like something until it's, it's shown to them. Yeah. yeah, They don't know that it's here. If the people in Boulder don't know that that kind of artist is here, they can't buy it. They don't yeah. know it's here. So if, and all the galleries kind of concentrate on the same thing, which is the same for pretty much every, every state and city in the world. But I'm just, I, I like to help the, the local people get their name out. And that all, this all basically the unveiled concept, right? It all works under the same umbrella. You know, I would love to have an art show with unveiled artists. Like how cool would that be? Yeah, that'd, that'd be amazing. Be amazing. And that was actually discussed prior to COVID doing something in New York City. I had a full on conversation with somebody like plant started planning it and being like, it's going to be, it was April of 2020. Oh, wow. And then COVID hit and then that kind of just went, pfft. but yeah. it was going to be like, try and get, um, cause a lot of artists are in New York City, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy for me to, to, to grab a bunch of unveiled artists from New York city and put together a show that was going to be like the test to see where that went, but we never yeah. do it. Oh man. I hope that can happen in yeah, the future. Hopefully soon. Maybe one day, but that's what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. To support the, you know, the local community and push their work. And that's, that's kind of what Ember does too. Same, same concept. Wow. Um, yeah. I want to get onto your personal work now and, your photography is very, you know, you know when it's you. And I want to know how that even came about. Like, what were the transitions to get to, you know, the ghostly gothic, I guess, figures and, and what you like to, uh, you know, photograph? I, I think that, number one, it's things that have been in my head um, visually and and even thoughts for a long time that I've been too scared to like to put out into the world. Um, two, I just, timing wasn't right to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think three, it was a culmination of 
a lot of experimentation through the years of yeah. of cameras and and films and and stuff like that and it all kind of hit a couple of years ago maybe like a year and a half two years ago um going through like a really stressful time and with a relationship and 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 family and stuff like that and there came to this point where like i i look back on it now and i feel like i was really depressed and even though i maybe didn't show that on the outside but on the inside like it was it was pretty gnarly and yeah. that's when i won i i was just like you know what i just need to get this out i need to get all this out i had not done anything personal really shooting pretty much from 2016 2017 to about 2019 oh wow uh, maybe even yeah late 2019 and that was kind of like this huge transition period in my life as i've stated a few times it's like moving to colorado switching industries personal stuff family stuff all just shifted everything just basically went it's it's completely different now like as i sit here right now on this day none of what <laughs> what was going on three years ago exists anymore, which is crazy. And so I just needed to get something out. And, and my photography has been my avenue to do that for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't paint. I really wish I could. I suck so hard at painting. <laughs> I want to. Um, and photography has just been my, my go-to, but because I, I draw so much more inspiration from painters than I do photographers. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Way more. My, my two largest inspirations by far are poetry and painting. And then music is right yeah. by the painting and poet. Like they're all kind of fluctuate depending on mm -hmm. the mood. Yeah. And I just needed to, uh, needed an outlet. I had no really, I went way inward, barely talked to people started really focusing on myself um, inside and was just exhausted. And I just needed to like branch that outward. So I learned all these things over the years, cameras and uh, maybe, I think it was 26, it was 2017, right before I moved to Colorado, I dabbled in this film and this camera and this light. And it was like, oh, okay. Like that was kind of cool. That's something I'd never seen before. And then, right around right before i moved here i did this the the first series which was uh veiled which mm -hmm. is kind of where the unveiled name came from it's just the antithesis of veiled um mm -hmm. and i did this series with this instant film and black and white instant film with one camera one type of film and and that kind of started everything and then i felt a, i got a lot of good feeling from that series and then i like I said, I took that kind of gap period, didn't really do anything. And then 2019 came around and, or 2000, late 2019 came around. And I was like, I'm doing something different. And that's when Archetype was launched in my head, which is the kind of like first series, the first true, like real series that I preemptively thought of and then went after. Wow. So that, and then my goal has always been to combine kind of like that painterly feel with all like the ambient music vibe and then photography. 
And how can I make all three of those kind of work together? And that's how that kind of came out. That's amazing. Yeah, and you can really see that in your Yeah, it's in really noticeable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very painterly. It's very uh Yeah. amazing. What what's your setup right now? Like your go-to uh camera film if you have one even. So, those series the archetype series the current series that I'm just about done called Surrender, which is the next show, which is in a couple of weeks. And then the one in the series in the middle there is all or almost all Polaroid land camera, oh, wow. some janky old thing that's like broken. And then 3000, Fuji 3000B um, instant pack film, which doesn't exist anymore. And I just hoarded it. <laughs> when it when it was when it, they discontinued it i was kind of at the forefront of that fight to try and save it and i preemptively bought a hundred boxes of it when it was like, oh, wow. Wow. and i've been still using it since 2014 so but that's about to end um that's kind of like been the go-to now my new series that i'm i just started and future series because i'm about to run out from that run out of that film will be mainly Holga, which is that toy plastic black camera, mm -hmm. and then um, some black and white infrared film. Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> Sometimes I get weird looks because I'm like, I mean, seriously, my entire setup for every series, $45. That's amazing. Wow. Plus, plus... <laughs> Plus the film, you know, I have to buy the film. <laughs> it's it's inspiring, right? Because everybody's always on to the next piece of gear. And, and even me, right? Uh, I'm always looking for the next medium format film or 35 mil. Or, and I even messaged you uh, when I was looking into Polaroids and stuff because I had found an article like from 10 years ago where you were explaining how to uh, dissolve the, yeah. the Polaroid to yeah. get the actual, what was it, the negative or the positive? Yeah. That was the negative from 100C. It was yeah. a color film that Fuji discontinued. Yeah. And so even back then you were, you know, trying to help other other photographers and artists. And it's so cool to see. So did you start photography at like a young age or you picked it up in your later years? I've been infatuated with photography since I can remember. Okay. I, I had a camera at 11. I remember I used to make like my mom stop on the way to school when it snowed and like take pictures. Oh, wow. And then I remember being like 14 or 15 and having a little camera I bring around the parties. Um, I remember 17, 18, my, my best friend at the time, what well, took like a, um, uh, a film class in high school. And, and uh, we used to just go out and, and just shoot the, you know, little SLR Nikon SLRs all over the place. 24. I, bought my first kind of like real camera and I would go out pretty much every weekend after work or before, after the week of work and then mm -hmm. like shoot for four or five hours on a Saturday. But it was never anything that I thought I could do for a living until I was 28, 28. Wow. That's inspiring to hear yeah. too, for anyone listening. Like it's never too late. Yeah. And yeah, I had a baby um, my wife lived at home with our other kid and I quit my job <laughs> with no other income to start to become a photographer. Yeah, it was really intense. I mean, it's amazing though, because it, 
has to work. Yeah, right? as long as you, you have... have that passion and drive, like it's gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> you have no other choice but to make it work. Then exactly, then you work. You're gonna die. <laughs> fortunately, it did really well for us, and and it's worked out. So wow, that was a very yeah. It was April of 2019. I quit my banking secure banking job and was like, I'm gonna be a photographer. <laughs> That's so never scary. never looked back. So you were working in a bank before? Wow. Was I was I I didn't go. I went to college for a year. I dropped out of college after the first year. It just wasn't for me. Um, got a job at a, a a friend of mine. His dad was like VP at a bank. He got me like a super low down position, and I just worked my way up. And within a few wow. years, I was before my friends even graduated college. I was making really good money. Yeah, and I was like, there's really no reason for me even to go back to school at this point. So yeah. I just kind of stuck with that. And I did that from pretty much 20, 20, 21, 20 to 29. Wow. Except for like a little gap in there and something else. But that was it. Wow. Do you find that people were generally supportive, like your family and stuff when <laughs> you told them you were going to be a photographer? Or was it like a big pushback or anything? I don't. I don't think there was a big pushback, but there was also not a ton of support. Yeah. yeah. You know, there it, it, it's, I won't call out any people, <laughs> but yeah, there's no, there was, it wasn't like, it was kind of like this hesitancy, right? It was just like, all right, let's see what he does. Yeah. They weren't, no one was like disruptive and being like jerks about it. Yeah. Um, but no one was really like, Oh, this is amazing. You know, whereas for my kids, yeah, I'm like, do whatever the hell you want. Like, seriously, yeah. like, I'm like, go do it. Go, go. Like, if you want to do that, then I'm going to support you. But yeah, like, it was just a little bit of hesitancy. And once it, once it started going, then there was, you know, it kind of, it was okay because, oh, you can, you can make a living at it. Yeah. And then, became okay <laughs> yeah exactly i feel like that's the normal response like even for mine you know growing up i was like okay i'm all of a sudden gonna be a musician i went to school for a half a semester to be an accountant and then you know i missed an exam and said well that's a sign to <laughs> drop out and never go back um yeah and i i don't remember when i told you know my family that i was like okay i'm gonna be a musician but i'm sure it wasn't like oh great Right. Like, no, yeah, they still pushed for schooling and like yeah. you still yeah. went to school for music and Yeah, yeah, I did still go to school for music. But like that's like, not the reason to. that you got to the place that you are now, right? It's just all the time and energy that you had put into it previously. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I firmly believe yeah, if you put in the if you can put in if you love it and you put in the time and and have the slow burn, um I think the slow burn thing is so important. I think yes. we've gotten a lot of artists and creatives have gotten used to seeing people skyrocket and then they're, they're kind of jealous of that. And I'm like, look, I know that looks great. And yeah, I would love for that to happen to you, but it's hard to maintain. And most times you plummet. Yeah. I'd yeah. rather see you build it for a year or two and just kind of keep going with it and going and pushing and pushing mm -hmm. and it'll pay. I firmly believe that it'll, it'll pay off. You, yeah, me too. Especially even in your uh, own confidence, right? Like, I feel like people who rise maybe too quick really get imposter syndrome. Totally. Whereas the people who are the slow risers, you know, they are constantly proving to themselves that they can do it. And then when they finally do make it, they're like, yeah, I, about time. 
Yeah, like I've earned this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I I completely agree with that. A hundred percent. For sure. And yeah, and I want to get into music now too, because I know you're a huge music fan. Um yep. I wanna know uh sort of what you grew up listening to. The band that changed my life was Alice in Chains. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, so that was like I I never really got too far into the grunge thing in the nineties. Like that's when I kind of hit my teens and I always, and even though now looking back on it, Alice in Chains was grunge, but they weren't then like they were so odd then Yeah, they weren't lumped in essentially with like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all the other bands. So Alice in Chains was the one that really kind of sparked an interest in music um, when I was a teenager, a young teen. And that they were like, they, it, that, that band pushed me to start trying all these other more darker and, and more emo weird bands at the time. And, and that, that's when like everything kind of shifted for me from a music perspective. And that's really when I started like collecting unique albums and records and things like that was to try and find these obscure bands. Like I used to go into like Best Buy when Best Buy had all the CDs, you know, that, that was like the place to go. And then I would just spend two hours in there in those weird sections like punk and, and hardcore and just buying the most obscure CDs I could find. Yeah. Just listen to new stuff. Just exploring all the genres. But again, that's what I said earlier like that we were at the mercy of the label. Like if you didn't mm-hmm. have a label with distribution, how the hell else were we were going to find you unless you lived in their city and knew that they were playing a show, right? Yeah. Exactly. So still cool though. Like I used to just collect tons of CDs and and that kind of stuff and just find learn about new new music. But that when I was like 12 or 13, that's when it shifted for me. And before that, I think I just listened to what everybody else listened to. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you pick up instruments or were you like, I'm going to stick to be a listener? No, I, I picked up instruments. Uh, I played guitar, bass guitar. Um, I played in the band since fourth, fourth grade to 10th grade. I was a trumpet player. Oh, wow. Never really enjoyed that too much. Just kind of like stuck mm-hmm. with it. Then obviously guitar is, you know, the game changer for so many angsty teen boys. So like, then I learned, taught myself guitar, taught myself bass guitar, played in some bands. And then the more, the, the more, the older I got, the more obscure the music became, you know, and the more the different paths I'd go down. Then I got really into like hardcore and punk, um, like super heavy into that. Went even down the metal side, played in mm-hmm. metal bands. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then it's funny. It's so funny. The opposite. Like I seriously have like a bunch of metal LPs over there. And then like, I'll, I'll put on like Kylie Malone, like, like a, you know, just a keyboard player or like yeah. yours, you know, like your work, like when I found your work, I'd be sitting there like jamming out to that. And then I put on some kind of like death metal, which yeah. goes between the two so far. So funny. That sounds like us. Yeah. yeah. Even in our cabinet, we have, you know, like whoever. the ambient side and the piano classical. I think it's just a respect yeah. thing. You know, like, I think as a musician and an artist, you, 
if you know music, you know when they're good and when it's not. Like, I just feel like I, I can tell when somebody's like knows their shit. Yeah. And like, I've got a couple harpists over there and I'm like, I don't know how to play the harp, but like, I think they do. <laughs> For sure. I'm like, they're freaking good. And so like, you just kind of pick up on the people that the musicians that are following their heart, yeah. so to speak. And then that's the people that it's literally unveiled. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it all ties into each other. And I've always been like that. I will always support those artists as much as I can. And I've been trying really hard lately to support, you know, support the physical record or buying their album, putting mm -hmm. a few bucks for the name your price thing, rather than going on the Spotify and doing that. Like I fully believe in that and supporting them. And, and I like to think, you know, I sat there and ordered that LP from like Germany and they're like, Oh shit, we got an order, you know? Yeah super stoked like that's yeah. what i think happens so that makes me happy yeah yeah and that's exactly what happens to me sometimes i'll wake up and i'll be like oh somebody ordered a record last yeah. night that hasn't <laughs> happened in a week <laughs> you know yeah like but that's cool you know yeah, like i exactly. love that. it's exciting like, and it, yeah. it, it fuels you um do you remember when you may have gotten into ambient music and more calm music so yeah um <laughs> This is going to sound funny, but like I found the old Wyndham Hill record CDs when I was a teen. Oh, wow. From the eighties and nineties. I, I played George Winston's like, you know, the, the spring, summer, fall or autumn and December winter albums, you know, those four yeah. on Wyndham yeah. Hill, like over and over. Oh, wow. And, and I got deep into like, oh shit. Uh, like, Yanni, you know, okay. the new age stuff, like the new mm -hmm. age crazy stuff, which is hilarious now. But that that turned me on to the ambient stuff because the new age weird stuff, while there's the poppy new age, like Yanni and John Tesh at that time, they were making, you know, the big bucks with these tours. It turned me on to all these obscure ambient musicians that were really not big names. Yeah. Um, you know, like there's a really weird one, David Arkenstone. I don't know okay. who that is, but no, I don't. So weird, trippy, new agey, like flutist, like, you know, out in the desert getting stoned kind of thing. Oh, cool. <laughs> but it it led me to all these other little things where I started picking up on. And that was probably 15, 16. Oh, wow. So early. Early. Yeah. And I had all, all sorts of weird. I wish I had them all still. Honestly, I collected like the most obscure CDs. I was going to uh, ask if you still had. Like, oh, I know. It makes me <laughs> mad sometimes. Um, but yeah, I collected tons of these weird, obscure, you know, little album, these new age albums and these ambient albums. And now I'm starting to see them pop back up. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. Like. I actually bought that George Winston December LP. I found it at like a thrift store the other day for like $10. And so I bought it and it's just like, it's all come full circle, but I used to sit there. I used to sit in my room, put on my headphones and listen to ambient music almost every night. Oh, wow. Really? I go in my car the next day and play the most crazy metal blasting metal, <laughs> yeah. you know, as loud as I could possibly get. Did you ever think about trying to make ambient music because like obviously you said you played guitar and you were in bands but what about ambient music was that 
Yeah, no, it's it's crossed my mind a thousand times. (laughs) The way that I think of it is, it's like I'm the episode of like The Office where the you know what's his name Gabe. Oh yeah. And he's like starts to hit the thing, and it's just like nature sounds. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably what all I could possibly do. I feel like I could play on something, but I don't know if my brain could create. It. Maybe it could. I don't. I'm sure. I, maybe could. one day you'll try. You never know. <laughs> the secret with ambient music is more the process. <laughs> right, there is a process to it, but like, I feel like now, after ten years of photography, I've gotten to this great place where my work is my own like if i if i post it people know it's me mm-hmm. and that's extremely challenging to get to as an artist and i i mean i don't think i'm fully there yet but i feel like that's happening and i get that like they're like oh i know that's yours instantaneously if you can make to that point as an artist like that's that's gold right there absolutely <laughs> have create something where it's yours and like nobody else and people will try to copy, but won't be successful or, you know, and, and people can instantly hear it or see it. And they're like, Oh, that's this person. That's cool as shit. Absolutely. Like that's the goal, right. If I was to be making ambient music, I feel like it took me a fucking decade to get to that point. And at this point I'm like, I don't have the time. Yeah. You don't want to go back to that slow burn. You know, yeah. you're already right. past that. You really want to do this. Exactly. I'll just let you guys, the pros do it. And then I'll just collect it and listen. to it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I've noticed the people that you've sent me recently is like very, uh, I guess it's not really recently, but over the last maybe two years, uh, I've noticed you've been getting really into like sort of Japanese ambient, like H. Dakahashi. And you you actually introduced me to them, a lot of them. And they're they're so good. And I was wondering if you have any other sort of artists that you want to shout out uh, that are underrated to you, um, if you have any on the top of your head. Let me pull up my band camp because <laughs> I am horrible at remembering names of songs. Oh, me too. Artists, <laughs> names, all that stuff. Like I am just, it's just not my... Same. I'm just you got too caught up in listening. It's like, wait, what's that name? What's the what's that uh, yeah, song title? Yeah. yeah. People are like, I'm always fine. Like, I don't listen to lyrics very often. And even even in um even the like well metal, I don't even know what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I I just vibe out on that music, right? Mm-hmm. Ambient, obviously, there's really not many lyrics unless you can find someone maybe with some spoken word or word over like that. Usually if an ambient musician is popping in lyrics, it's very in the background, kind of low key, not the dominant thing, right? So most of the music that I listen to doesn't really have lyrics. Mm -hmm. And then when I do listen to music that has lyrics and I'll branch out to the more poppy stuff. Um, Like I love Phoebe Bridgers. She's, she's I don't pay attention to the lyrics. (laughs) I (laughs) I have no idea what she's really saying. On any song. I'm oh, wow. so immersed in the music because that's how I grew up with music and playing music and listening to music, the actual musical side of things. Like I'm huge in the classical music and and I learned a lot of that stuff. So I am way more into time signatures and melodies and and the way things change and, and chord changes and chord progressions and and you know all the odd time signatures and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that that's what I'm, my brain's going to. This wow, is why really I have photographic memory. Like my daughter 
laughed hysterically one time because like I was told her that I have a photographic memory. I was like, I can, I was like, I bet you I can make it to your friend's house without putting in the maps. And she's like, yeah, but you're only there once. I'm like, I'm telling you, I can just remember where I'm going. And I all the way there, like oh, wow. 15 minute drive. And she's like, holy shit, dad. <laughs> That's like how my brain it's photographic or like the music. And I can remember things like that. I cannot memorize words. I can't remember names. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. So like, band names and that kind of thing <laughs> not very good at for sure well let's see what a, what a, obscure i wouldn't consider grouper very obscure but Ooh, no but she's that. amazing yeah but fucking amazing yep the one that i found the best that i love recently is from denver and she goes by the moniker midwife oh midwife i haven't heard of her i just saw her play at this little cafe like two or three weeks ago in boulder and I'm I'm obsessed with her music right now. She's got three LPs out. Okay. Um, it's she calls it uh, what does she call it? Uh, heaven Haven Metal. Haven Metal. Okay. Okay. She has like a little. Yeah, it's really different. Um, let's see, the ones like the Japanese musician uh, Takahashi H Takahashi. I love love everything by him. I think that's the one I sent you. Um, let's see. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Masayoshi Fujita, another one that I love. He's a vibraphone player, which I think is a completely underrated, um, instrument. Wow. Yeah, for that, sure. That's like forever. I don't even think I've heard of that instrument. Yeah. It's kind of like a, oh, yeah, it's kind of like a, uh, like a automatic vibrato xylophone, yeah. right? Yep. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's very um, cool. I want one. Yeah, and that, yeah. There's another one. What's her name? Patricia Brennan. She's from Mexico. She's a vibraphone player. She's getting really popular. Um, Mary Lattimore is amazing. That's the harpist I was, you know, mentioned earlier. Um, Emily Sprague's in there. She's kind of like synth. Um, and then probably the other one would be Sarah Devachi, which okay. is she's an organ player, and it's like super haunting and she just records her albums in all these cool freaking church organ places around the world. Wow. Oh, cool. And her last one just came out. She's getting more popular too. So she's got a good following as well. But yeah, that's some of them. I'm excited to look all these up. Yeah. I love how there's just so many artists. Yeah. yeah Anna Roxanne. She's oh yeah. Amazing. Yeah. She's blown up too. She's blown up. Yeah. She's yeah. And along with her, if a little bit more unique, probably is Felicia Atkinson. Okay. She's kind of similar to Anna, but she's from France and she's, she, she does a lot of spoken word French over her, her stuff, which oh, cool. I, I am mesmerized by their language. So yeah, I, I like to listen to that. I just love how there's just so many like rabbit holes you can go down with music. Like it's funny. I only recognize what three of the names that yeah, you just gave. And like, I thought I had heard most things, you know, and <laughs> turns out I've heard 0.1%. <laughs> I Bandcamp is, is amazing. It you really know, is. I'm going to recommend to anybody get a band, sign up for Bandcamp. Yeah. I mean, I was just like, I can, sometimes you just sit there on my laptop and hook it up to the, Bluetooth it to the speaker and then I'll just go down, down a yeah. bad path, <laughs> maybe good path. 
that's like a deep hour or two of just listening to whatever's coming up, you know? Yeah. And I'll just keep playing them and just keep listening to other things. And then I find something and then it just clicks. That's amazing. Yeah. I can only recommend Bandcamp enough. Like, I'm surprised they haven't blown up more. Like Bandcamp's been around for so long and it it's so like It must be because underrated. of their UI and stuff, like their user experience and yeah. all that. I feel like they have areas they could improve on, but that's another <laughs> conversation. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about those areas, so I'm going to just ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The same with me. All I know is that like it turns me on to good music and it's kind of like, it's, it's not like, it does a pretty decent job at recommending, not the greatest, if you really want to find stuff, you just got to dig in. You got to look for it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and actually on Bandcamp, they have a great feature where you can see other artists' recommendations. Yeah. I would, oh, yeah. Ab- yeah. I'd love Anybody it. who's listening, go through that, and you'll be able to find your favorite artists' favorite tracks, really. Yeah, yeah. And then my, I, what I'll do sometimes is go in there, and I'll do, like, I'll search, and then I'll go to Ambient, and then I'll go to, like, All New Vinyl, and then I'll choose, like, a random city. Yeah, Berlin or you know Japan or country, and then I'll just look to see what's there, and it, it's usually, it's usually pretty cool. And that's how I found some. That's how I found the midwife thing. I had no idea she was in Denver, and then all of a sudden it popped up on something, and I I found it and clicked on it. I was like, oh shit, I love this. And then like just I met her. We started talking. Now we're we're trying to plan a shoot. That's awesome. So it's just like cool stuff like that, you know, that happens like. The, the accessibility of some of these awesome artists, like I love her music more than so many other people, people's music. I can send her a message on Instagram. Yeah. And she'll actually respond. <laughs> yeah. And she'll respond. And I'm like, oh, hey, I love your stuff. It looks like my photography. She's like, oh my God, I love your photography. Aww. It does. <laughs> and I'm like, let's do something. I'm like, and then all of a sudden we're doing something. And then this is like somebody I am inspired by. But, like, nobody really knows who she is in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Oh, kind of cool. That's amazing. I'm, I'm more I'm more kind of – I'm more excited about that than I am to be, like, to meet some really popular like pop star, celebrity yeah. that I don't really care about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not – it makes me more happy that I get to go over here. And then you make that connection with them and you have that relationship. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Um. Wow. Yeah. This, this has been fantastic to, to sort of wrap it up real quick. I just want to ask like, where do you see, where do you see sort of your artwork and unveiled in Ember and all that in five to 10 years? Do you have like a plan? Do you look that far or do you kind of just let it flow? I, I think I've lately, I've been trying to let it flow. Um, I think I, for my, most of my life, most of my adult life, I plan ahead. Mm-hmm. And I, and you can't it's so hard to do that and i think for me like i definitely see there like each of them kind of merging in a way and i really really have a goal in the next couple years of starting some kind of the artist residency or artist retreats which is basically a combination of all three of the things essentially so that's where i kind of see it going um I have some, uh, a cool opportunity that might happen where I can, you know, have like this kind of area where I can hold them and wow. if that works out that might, it might come about more sooner than later. Um, but that's, I think that's the goal. I think if I could, there is this, 
Airbnb, I say that like seven or eight years ago, right when Airbnb kind of started, maybe like the second year. And I say to this Airbnb in the Adirondacks, which is the East Coast Mountains. Well, you you know where the Adirondacks are. Yeah, right? yeah you introduced us. Our favorite place in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I stayed at this random place and it was this husband and wife artist. He was a sculptor. She was a poet or a writer. Oh. And they, they owned this like little spot on this river. And then they had like a little studio space in the back that they converted for Airbnb guests. And like that right there, that's kind of where like I, I see things going, like where I can be there and then I can maybe hold art shows at this space, bring in musicians. Like I can be like, yo, dude, come record here for the month. Mm-hmm. Like it's all yours free, you know, like go bring your shit and like here, stay here. And then like hold residencies and then maybe like charity events, like all these things that involve all the things that I do, my photography unveiled for artists and then Ember, which is working with creatives and, and promoting their work. Yeah. Like it all kind of works around that one, you know, one umbrella under one umbrella. And that's, I think that's, if I could say where something's going to be, that's where, that's where it'll be. That's amazing. Yeah. I really hope to see that in the coming years because that sounds like the best thing ever, you know, like it's, that's heaven. That's utopia, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much can imagine just kind of chilling out and retiring there and just immersing yourself with artists all throughout the year and creatives and like, you know, something super be so inspiring. Yeah. And I can't see anybody really not wanting to support that. Yeah. Who's going to be like, no, that sucks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You kind of just have to start it. Yeah. I've thought about this over and over again. And maybe if I bring back unveil a little bit more, maybe I can start working to that, that point. But I hate, you know, I hate asking people for money. Yeah. One of my things might be actually, I'm really highly considering turning Unveiled into a nonprofit. Oh, yeah. Because I want, I don't care about money very much. Like, obviously, I need it and I need it to survive and I, I can't just not have it, but it's not my thing. It's not yeah. the thing that I'm looking for um, in, in my life. So if I can turn that into nonprofit and maybe start taking in donations and charity events and helping, maybe I can get more support from the public to make that all happen where they feel like they have a part of it. The other idea is kind of making it into a collective where we're all collectively part of it. So imagine if you could donate a thousand dollars to it, but then you're part of it like forever. Maybe you get like a lifetime membership that you can go to all these events for free or something like that. Like a sponsor or something. That's a really cool idea to do it actually. Like make sort of membership sort of things. Yeah. Cause there's, you know, nonprofit doesn't always mean they're not making money. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lot. You need money. Right. They're making money. The CEO is making a shit ton. Yeah. But like, then there's the other side of just being like, Hey, yeah, we're for profit, but it's, here's where we're putting it. Um, you get a membership, you, you, you can be a part of this. You get to decide, maybe we have like an annual meeting where we get to choose, choose the residents and you get the vote. I don't know. All, all these kind of things come up. So that's kind of where I see it going more, more in person and relation, not off the damn Instagram. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The show that I'm doing, I'm to, to segue into the show real quick, the show that I'm doing in three weeks. I'm not showing any of the photos on any platform until the show. Oh, cool. I'm tired of kind of having to like put 
everything out there and then do the show. Like I'm, and this isn't new by any means. There are still lots of people that do this, but it was really important for me to, I want the people that walk in and take the time out of their day to be the first ones to be the first ones to see it. Yeah. They get to see it first. They're the ones going there and supporting it. And I'm going to do like a little private viewing page on my website for like, say you, you know, you guys in Toronto, if you obviously can't go, right. Mm -hmm. If you're interested, here's like a private, private viewing page, like that kind of thing. Yeah. I just want to make it more physical and more, more of an experience than just like scrolling. (laughs) Right. So that's kind of where the unveiled thing comes. It was never meant to be digital, like completely digital. And so I need to get it off of that and into that, into real life. Well, we're rooting for you and yeah, we support seriously. this completely because that's amazing. I'm absolutely supporting you yeah. with that. And I hope, you know, listeners of this go to unveiled.com. Is that the unveiled.com? That works. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And follow them on Instagram and just, you know, let's support artists and yeah. let's support visions and stuff, you yeah. know? Like, yeah, totally. It's amazing. Um, there's so many other things that I want to ask, but it's already an hour 15. We're going to have to have you back on. Um, We can do round two later. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Once I get better at interviewing, (laughs) this is only the second one, but, uh, thank you so much for, for being part of this so early on. Um, really appreciate you and everything, you know, you've done, you know, even in terms of inspiration. Okay. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you. And yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode five of We All Speak in Poems. Uh, thank you to Chantel for being here. And thank you to Michael Ash Smith for being here. And I hope everybody goes to his website, unveiled.com. Go check out his photography. Go check out his endeavors. And uh, let's all just support artists. <laughs> <laughs>